0: Reading for today, trust the weight, embrace the uncertainty, enjoy the beauty of becoming. When nothing is certain, anything is possible. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. Before you get stuck in, there's a few things we want to mention. Remember that for many people, they're dealing with someone's alcohol misuse alone. Sharing the podcast could make all the difference to someone feeling connected or not. You won't always know who needs to hear it. Remember, we also run a closed
1: Facebook group for those that want more individual support. Go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash daughters of alcoholics. On the 22nd of March, the last episode of Series 2, Paul Silver will be with us to talk about the wider issues of alcoholism. Labels, the impact and what we think of them. Paul is a coach working with people with addiction. So if you want to get in on the debate, join us next time.
2: Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Two Roads Travelled podcast. Today, Paula and Joe will be talking with Judith Quinn, the daughter of a heavy drinker. Together, the three of them will explore the uncertainty that goes with being in a family affected by alcoholism. Families of an alcoholic often lack an understanding of alcohol abuse and end up struggling to understand, and most importantly express, their own thoughts and feelings. Judith, an accomplished public speaker and author, transforms lives by liberating trapped voices. She helps her clients recognise and release any limitations they have concerning self-expression, communication and public speaking. Jo and Paula are very keen to learn more as giving someone their voice back is a powerful tool and one that should be treasured. Welcome Judith, tell us more.
0: Hi everyone hello it's Jo here and um, today we are looking forward to speaking to um, Judith who um, works with people around their voice and and helping them express themselves which I know has got a really um, massive link to um, families of drinkers because I know it's something they struggle with finding their voice being able to speak up Um, and the topic obviously today is all around that uncertainty so um, I'm going to be quite interested to hear you know judith's perspective um as she's already got her own lived experience as well um so um yeah so i'm looking forward to that so. hi everyone it's paula um it's been a busy week again there
1: just doesn't seem enough days sometimes or hours um running here there and everywhere um, yeah i'm i'm really looking forward to this as well because um in my line of work you know often the um the alcoholic has um, lost their voice too and are very uncertain because they don't know about life without uh Mm. drinking and um you know it's it's facing a new life where Mm. they are actually sort of finding their own voice and also um a lot of the time um Uh, their self-esteem and their confidence is is really low Mm -hmm. so i'm sure whatever we discuss in here Mm -hmm. from judith would be really really interesting Mm -hmm. to use on both sides
0: of the situation and i think it's interesting what you've just said because again for me it brings up these parallels between the drinker and the families and the same issues but maybe from slightly different angles yeah you know that uncertainty still exists for the drinker like you say when they're you know in recovery or through that process it's all uncertain that process they don't know what they're going to be facing they don't know what's to come um, and and the family experience that in a different way in yeah. terms of living with the drinker yeah yeah so yeah it, it works both ways yeah. so enough of us um, Judith welcome thank
3: you very much thank you for having me
0: all right you're very welcome um so yeah if you just want to i know we've done an introduction and everything but if you just want to give us a kind of overview of of what you do and your your lived in you know your experience directly with a drinker and and um yeah and then we can kind of go from there
3: yes so hello everybody i am judith quinn and that's with one n not two spell check doesn't like it but that's just the way it is Um, (laughs) and and my business is your whole voice and really when people say to me why do you do what you do and part of it is definitely because I grew up with a mum who I felt didn't say what she needed to say so I was the one who stepped up and I, I just hate people I hate seeing people suffering not having a voice not feeling able to them to express themselves and this comes from all sorts of situations obviously it it doesn't have to be having lived with a drinker but my experience of growing up with an irish father so you say irish what's the first thing you think of might be (laughs) whiskey guinness uh drinking it's you know I, i think I know it as the Irish problem, uh, in inverted commas. And so just growing up, seeing my mum not stand up, speak up to him, and also myself, like remembering when I was younger, that I would try and suss out what kind of drunk my dad was when he came home to see if he would be the kind of drunk where... I could go downstairs and be like the funny entertaining one so that they didn't have an argument or whether he was in whether he was whiskey drunk uh, in which case that was nasty drunk and therefore I would stay upstairs and make sure if there was any argument if my baby brother woke up I'd make sure I'd look after him so that didn't make anything worse or you know make sure that he was okay so it's very much I think maybe I got such a dominant voice because of living with a drinker, because I don't know, somewhere in, and maybe it's just who I am as well. But people suppress their voices or have their voices suppressed or don't have a voice for a whole gamut of reasons. But I do think part of the reason why I'm so passionate about what I do is, and again, it's partly mum's nature, she's an introvert, so she's not one to step up and stand up and speak up first anyway but I don't think it helped that there was that not knowing where you stand with my dad when he'd been drinking.
1: I definitely identify with that one, both me and Joanne, it sounds very similar. Our mum was quite a weak, I don't like to say weak, but she wasn't a strong person to stand up to him. And um, yeah, she was quite intimidated. And you know, well, I'd hear them in the kitchen and we'd be sat on the stairs and, and <laughs> I'd be desperate to just go down there and tell him exactly what I thought of him. But fear kept me on the step. And, you know, that fear of saying what I wanted stayed with me for a long, long time. Um, but also, you know, I think some anger rose out of that because my mum wasn't being as strong as I wanted her to be. But, you know, she was just doing what she thought was best at that time. But, um, yeah, it, does, it has held me back. many many years because if someone speaks louder than me then i won't say a word right just learn to get over that and and yeah definitely identify with the fact of what kind of mood he's going to come back in can you have a laugh and a joke is he going to be silly so it will be fun or is it just not worth going there so understand where you're coming from
3: it's that thing of because when you were talking about when we when we spoke before and you were saying you know what what is it for you i think you put a question out somewhere and i came back with it's the uncertainty of living with a drinker because it is that you're just not quite sure where you're going to stand and that's not necessarily even when they're drinking it's it's the rest of your life in that situation as well
0: yeah yeah and i think sometimes you know we can i mean I guess we can't always well certainly as children I don't think we can possibly know this but you know sometimes it's you know uncertainty in life that's normal that's part and parcel of life sort of thing Um, you know it's how much is down to the drinking and how much is that's just how it is in life you know there are uncertainties and things like that but obviously for me anyway my experience that you know living with somebody's drinking creates that tenfold you know that, that uncertainty is much more frequent um in 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 our home it was anyway Um,
3: yeah and it's that thing of not just the uncertainty of how they're going to behave but then the uncertainty of whether the things that you've been told you're going to do are going to happen so it wasn't an irregular thing for our family plans to be cancelled because of dad's hangover
0: yeah yeah those commitments that are made but then don't happen because of whatever's going on for them
1: yeah. Alongside that the crazy spontaneity of doing something quite random and you know off the cuff at the same time mm. you know you can get things planned and then you can get things thrown at you where you're like well, what's going on here i'm not prepared mm. I, I don't have a plan you know mm. those sort of things yeah
3: yeah i can relate to that definitely yeah i'm not sure we had so much of that other than the uh, the occasional spontaneous poker party at yeah. which my my baby brother and I would uh, surreptitiously stand behind the people that my dad was playing against and, and raise a number of fingers to represent the <laughs>
2: conversation.
0: Oh, I love it. <laughs> so, um, how do you think? I mean, obviously, we've talked about in other episodes around the drinker's behaviour and. and why that inconsistency and um, you know why that uncertainty happens I mean what what do you think are the reasons for that
3: oh well it's just because alcohol is I mean it just messes with your emotions so much isn't it so you don't know I mean I know when Oh, shock horror surprise surprise you know as a teenager I drank quite a lot Mm. And I didn't know whether it was going to make me teary or angry or, you know, and it depends on the the amount. I, I have a friend who's, well, was quite a heavy drinker and I would be able to go, Oh, you're three. I'd turn up and I'd be like, Oh, you're three pints drunk. Nice. Or I go, Oh, you've had five because I knew where he was in his, in his drink pattern. But then if he was just, if he was on something other than beer, you wouldn't know. So it's, I think the uncertainty of drinking comes from the uncertainty of your emotions and what it's going to open up because you do lose your inhibitions. Mm. So it's that, um, that openness It's you know, in vino veritas, there is even a, a phrase around, you know, how we'll speak our truth when we're drunk, but is it our deepest truth, which is what I talk about a lot, helping people to find their deepest truth, or is it actually your emotional reactionary truth that comes out, which is the stuff that you haven't said before because you know it will hurt people or because you know that it's not fully formed or because you know it's a reaction. Whereas when you're drinking, very often you'll, you'll just spurt out whatever comes into your mind.
1: Yeah, because like you said, it's that Dutch courage, isn't it? And that, that freedom of, um, you know, no worry. Mm. And, and I find in my clients as well that, you know, they, it does help them to to accomplish things, like, especially a lot with the men, you know, they can't go and talk to a woman without having a few mm. drinks in and, and stuff. Um, you know, relationships, boundaries are all a bit skewed with, and... Um, yeah. When they become sober um, and start their journey of sobriety, you know all of that is uh, quite daunting because again the, the feelings and emotions come back tenfold, and they don't really know what to do with them or what they are or how to react to them. So um, you know we, we look at those sort of things um, because it is it's all like doing it anew, and uh, and it can be quite unsettling as well. Um, hmm. You know, knowing what to do with it and and how to cope with it. So, I mean, and of uh, course, what what kind of methods do you use with the people that you deal with?
3: I work with people coming from a variety of reasons for needing to find their voice, and and very rarely alcohol is involved. But I did have a client who, because he was so introverted, he hated speaking to anyone he didn't know, and he would drink five or six pints before he could speak to people who he didn't know, but now he doesn't need that. And I was working with his wife this weekend and she was saying it's it's amazing because she now feels like if he goes out with a friend and there's going to be people with that friend who her husband doesn't know. In the past, she'd have been worried because she knew he'd be drinking a lot just to have the courage to speak to the people he didn't know. But now she's, she's like, fine, that's not a problem. So. It is interesting, like when you were mentioning that Dutch courage but that, that that is in there. But I think also the concept of the feelings of uncertainty, not just for the drinker, but the feelings of uncertainty for those who are living with the drinker. So the feeling of either the lack of power or in my case, the needing to create control. So I have, I very much like to know where I stand. In life and sometimes that means that I go in and if I feel like someone is in control and I don't trust that someone's got it sorted I will just step in and take take control yeah whereas of course other people will probably go the opposite and just back off and, and never never step up okay. so it's yeah. interesting that
0: yeah I think that that whole uncertainty so, you know, from my perspective as the child of an alcoholic, I think that it creates so much anxiety in us and, you know, probably partners feel this way and, and other family members too, that, you know, when you don't know how, how they feel or how they're going to react or what they're going to say, um, like you say, your your kind of instinct is to try and control the situation because it's a situation that feels out of control. and very often we we can't really control it we just think we can (laughs) (laughs) Um, and um, but it does you know it does develop this anxiety and you you know I I do remember that 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 you know some of the feelings that it created in me it's like that lack of power the lack of control you know we don't we can't change this situation we've just got to find a way of coping and quite honestly At times, it felt like surviving um, that situation, and and that doesn't feel very good in your body. Um, I know you know children of alcoholics are not very good usually at going inward and looking at their and and feeling their feelings. We're very very much in our heads, Um, but you know, in hindsight, what I've learned is we need to do more of that. You know,
3: interestingly, yeah, interestingly for me, I maybe went the other way. And just felt all my feelings. Right. So I've never been backward in coming forward with with my feelings. And although not showing my true feelings and shock or surprise, surprise, um, you know, being an actress and just going and hiding on stage. And so that's sort of that right. Go and I'll, I'll I can't control that world. So I'll go and be part of a make believe world uh, where <laughs> where. Everything's done for you, and you know when you stand uh, there's a script that you follow.
0: Yeah, again, it's like you say, trying to control a different situation because you can't control the one you're in.
3: Yeah. Or as of what I did quite a lot was just go in and take control. So as opposed to, see, so it's for you, it manifested as anxiety. For me, it manifested as taking control in every situation that I could. Mm. So I would, I would always be the one to step up, front up defend others be the voice take control be house captain in the class be i don't know a prefect like um all of those things where i right i can have control here
1: sounds like a coping mechanism we've been doing some work um with my clients and and uh you know just practicing a simple um like receiving a compliment which is very hard to do um especially if you have come from a you know destructive home or something like that you know even accepting a, oh you look good today or you know just a, a small comment and uh we've just been practicing just saying thanks do you know what i mean a yep. simple little thing um also you know when you feel like you need to um deliver something to someone start off by i you know that lovely i word so it's mm-hmm. from you this is how i feel this is how you know uh, this made me feel a little bit upset today or so that they're taking responsibility for it but they're still able to deliver that to someone else and uh, it's not natural for a lot of people you know i even found it quite i thought used to say well that's not how you talk um but if you practice it, it does make a lot of difference. And then they start taking ownership um, and Mm. then it knocks on to their self esteem and confidence and all that kind of thing. Um, Yeah, it does, it's about them taking back a little power, a little bit of hearing their own voice and owning, you know, allowing them to own their thoughts and feelings and to be able to have the courage to to speak up about it
3: and that includes anger so that was you know my big thing was i would always say i I have my father's temper or maybe that's what i was told so that's what i believe i don't know but it's also that thing of not being afraid to express anger because that was another pattern for me was I would be, I could get really angry. Like, you know, I've kicked a hole in a door before now. Of course, with mum being conflict averse and with dad causing enough problems for her as it was, I always felt like I wasn't allowed to express my anger. And I had a lot of it, like I feel emotions. I feel delight and ecstasy to the nth degree. And I can be annoyingly happy and uh, overly enthusiastic. Um, but and to the other end, I if I am angry and I'm much better these days, obviously because I've done a lot of self awareness and self development work. but if you get me really angry, or interestingly, even this morning on a walk, I don't know what triggered it. I was thinking about something that happened at school where I was really angry with the teachers. Of course, you're in a situation where you're not allowed to vent that anger, and as I was, I could really feel it inside me. I was like, oh crikey, my cell memory is still holding on to that, right? I need to do a little bit of work on myself around that, because it's those emotions that we suppress one way or another that actually stay in your cell memory, and if you don't acknowledge them and don't release them, then they just stay in you. So it's about being really comfortable with being able to express all the gamut of emotions uh, in a safe space obviously not just you know especially not anger you know not just blasting it out at someone mm-hmm. but being in a space where you can express I'm afraid I am furious I am delirious whatever it is and I think rather than holding on to it
0: and I think from, you know I think you raised a few points there and I think a few you know for some people like I say that live with their parents drinking or whatever they they don't, they're not able to identify those feelings at all, really. Mm. You might just act out or, you know, get in a huff and walk off or um, retaliate in some way or just act out or whatever. Sometimes then, it's a bit
1: juvenile, yeah, isn't it? And
0: rather than recognising in themselves, like, well, what's going on with me? Um, what What am I actually feeling? Is this sadness? Is it mm-hmm. resentment? And that a lot of us, we don't even think like that. We don't even know how to do that. We have to learn how to do that. As a child of an alcoholic, if you've not been, had a parent that's educated you and taught you that stuff, you don't know how to think like that. And even though we might, maybe some of us, you know, like yourself, you, you feel your emotions to the extreme or whatever, sometimes we still don't pay attention you know, we might feel really happy and all that, but still we don't pay attention to where we feel it in our bodies. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's another thing that I've been looking at quite a lot lately. And, and I truly believe about the emotional-physical connection in, in, in that our sickness is related to an emotional issue. And I'm a yeah. big fan of Louise Hay, and she's got a fantastic book called Heal Your Body. And, and she, you know, talks about all the different ailments and how it impacts you how it's connected to your emotional state um and honestly I kid you not it is a bang on Uh, when Mm. I read these things I'm like yep that's me (laughs) well that really you know
3: yeah and that's where I love the power of the the voice vibration sound healing element of the work that I do because it's a way of being able to pinpoint where you're holding those emotions because your body won't let your voice access it because your body is going, no, 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 we're protecting you. You don't want to feel those emotions. So by using the voice vibration sounding, either receiving or doing again, you are shaking up, literally shaking up your cell memory to release that emotion from your physical system so that you're not holding onto it anymore so that you can be freer and healthier
0: we need to be mindful of because there's many people out there that have been affected by someone's drinking and not realize the impact it's having on their life now it's a big Mm -hmm. thing that I face you know with people and I think that you know they may you know hate new situations or like when things aren't certain or when plans change or things like that make them feel really uneasy um, yeah. might not realize why you know hopefully as they listen to this they might connect with some of the things we've been talking about and realize that that uncertainty has come from a place that we knew all too well but we might have learned to adapt to that situation and unfortunately when we adapt we can sometimes build unhealthy behaviors in our truck ch- well it helps us in our childhood it helps us survive but then when uh-huh. we get when we become adults it's no longer serves us and it's it's unhealthy or it is just not not really helping us in a yeah. positive way and then we fear everything um, and then we become over you know we overcompensate really and we want everything to be certain plan the death out of everything can leave no <laughs> spontaneity or anything because we need to know what's going to happen when it's going to happen. And, you know, safety comes into it massively as well. Definitely.
3: And it's, it's about creating certainty in yourself without letting that control, without letting that control you, in, interestingly enough.
0: Pretty much most things come back to us, don't they? And I think that if we create um, an internal feeling of safety and, you know, create a level of certainty in ourselves, then we probably seek it less externally because if we feel safe which a lot of our issues come down to is not feeling safe certainly some drinking environments can be very dangerous and everyone's experience of that will be different some drugs are much more violent than others and things like that so um you know so safety does come into it but i think if we can create a sense of safety in ourselves then it can it can help our external experience. Yeah, and it's like a bit of a, a healthy balance
1: so that you don't take things to the extreme mm. because, again, there are similar behaviours there between the alcoholic and the um, non-alcoholic. Um, that yeah. You do tend to take things to the extreme. The alcoholic is um, all or nothing, and um, those characteristics are very similar um, in being a child of an alcoholic because that's all you know. Mm. That's all you've been growing up with
3: and that's the thing and, and it's our our childhood situation is our norm and whether that's having a drinker as a parent or you know 25 pets like you know i grew up with dogs and cats and horses and chickens and ducks and um guinea pigs and rabbits and birds and fish and you know for me that was normal it was Like what do
0: you do what what
3: but well, that's how I grew up. So when I meet people who didn't even have a pet when they were a child, I'm like, what? That's not
0: life. That just reminded <laughs> me of that thing. Is it a, What's the film? Um, lions and tigers and bears. Because <laughs> you were like reeling yes. all them off. I was like, thinking, what does that remind me of? And it's like, is that the boss? Yeah. Like, yeah. Was, like, and bears. Oh. yeah. Oh my like, you were them off. That's what it reminded me of. <laughs> but it's, you know, well, what we grew
3: up with is our normal. And interestingly, you know, in that, for me, it was the uncertainty of my dad's drinking, but what career did I choose, like possibly the most uncertain career of all acting like where there is no certainty i like keeping myself in a perpetual state of uncertainty That's
0: uh in good, isn't it in, we just repeat those uh, those behaviors. It's like you know we pick people that are either unavailable to us or that are addicts, or you know it's 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 kind of what happens, ability. yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, and interestingly, how I went since I have found myself more, uh, you know, it was two and a half years ago that I really stepped away from acting. Not saying that I'm gone forever because it is my passion and love.
0: <laughs> I Don't want to quite let go.
3: But i have i've completely taken a break from it to the point that i have gone honorable withdrawal from equity and i'm not on the the big actors directory spotlight at the moment and i've just gone no and it's since i've become more safe and secure in myself that i don't need to identify as my my career doesn't need to identify me and and it's and it's it, it, bizarrely it's having the confidence to step into something that might be a little bit more certain i mean it's not because i'm still self-employed so it's still you know it's still a little bit of a a roller coaster but it's not the big dipper that acting is it's not the massive like there's nothing there's nothing oh my god what am i going to do why am i doing the emotional roller coaster
0: isn't as dramatic I think as an adult, you're much more in control of that than you are as a child. Like you can't really change that situation. Whereas as an adult, you could choose not to be self-employed and get a paid job with more certainty.
3: Could I? (laughs) (laughs) I have never had a full-time permanent job ever. So I've always been self-employed. But then you see my mum and dad were self-employed as well. So for me, that's normal. Again, we come back to what you grow up with is normal. Yeah, for sure. You know, mum and dad ran their own business and so that that is complete self-employment is perfectly normal as far as i'm concerned i don't see what the big deal is about it and going, oh it's such a big it's so brave to be self-employed I'm like, really <laughs> so, so
1: you went back into acting after a break um yeah do you think you would um sort of address it in a different way rather than somewhere to hide
3: oh i'm so when i go back i am going back in such a different frame of mind i am when i go back my mindset is completely shifted it's um it'll be so much more about not having to prove myself for a long time because it's what i'd said that i would do it was about proving myself and it was almost actually you Know uh, almost a two fingers up to my dad to go see. I said I'd do this and I could do it even without you, or probably because of him. Let's be honest.
1: Obviously, me and Joan took two different paths after in adulthood, and mine was like, You tell me I can't do something, I'll do it. Do you know what I mean? It actually. Kind
3: of worked a little bit in my favor yeah and, and that's and that's the way it is so whether it's relationships or business or i don't know is there any other part of life <laughs> relationships <laughs> or business? It's, that's, it's, that's, that's all it is for me um it doesn't really matter but it's it's how aware you are of your patterns and i think day by day by day I think the onion is never peeled and if you're just starting to go, oh crikey, this is it, this is my pattern because of that. And sometimes it's useful to know the because and sometimes it doesn't matter. It's just recognising the pattern and being able to change it. And that's the key.
0: In terms of rounding up, because we're coming to the end, um, I wondered whether you had maybe two or three tips or something something you could share around like the voice and being able to sort of for those that don't feel comfortable about speaking up
3: just things that you might suggest yep um tip number one is breathe <laughs> yeah
0: we like a bit of breathing
3: <laughs> breathe so if you're nervous about speaking breathe slowly breathe out through your mouth breathe in through your nose what that does when you're doing that full slow breathing is it reduces your heart rate and if it reduces your heart rate it reduces the rate at which adrenaline is being pumped around your body so breathe slowly reduce the heart rate um, if, and I'm going to go on the challenging conversation side, because obviously for a lot of people listening, it's about how do I, maybe how do you address things? Or uh, maybe you're in the pattern of you don't speak up because you grew up with a, a drinking parent. And so speaking up was dangerous because you didn't know if they'd just shut you down. So that now happens to you in relationships or work. If you've got an, a challenging conversation that you need to have, the first tip Is know that the outcome that you're dreading is highly unlikely yeah so think of all the positive things that might happen if you address whatever it is don't let yourself just go to the disaster zone go but what might get solved if I have this conversation what might be relieved will I even if they say no at least I'll know where I stand, right? You can create some certainty there. So, even if you don't get what you want, you know where you stand. You um, can different
1: direction, can't you?
3: yeah. And then to start a challenging conversation, I'll offer you two things to say. The first is you can go up to the person and say, "There's something I need to speak to you about. I'm going to find it really, and it's really difficult for me to say." or, and I'm I'm really not looking forward to it. There's something I want to say to you um, and I'm really not looking forward to it or there's something really difficult that I have to say to you. Yeah. It puts them, it then puts them because human brains will always go to disaster mode. It'll send their brain to, oh my God, they're going to resign or, oh my God, they're going to dump me or, oh my goodness, what have I done wrong? So so then when you <laughs> say what it is, it won't be as bad as they've thought it's going to be.
0: <laughs> That's good. That's
3: I like yeah, um, and the second thing is particularly if it's there's something that that person does that you feel they're doing it to you. So uh, I'm going to take team meetings because that's one of the public speaking or that's one of the vocal confidence challenges that comes up most in my work. Is people don't like speaking up in team meetings. So let's say you've got someone who cuts across you at work all the time, or what feels like all the time. Instead of saying you always cut me off when I'm talking start the conversation with i'm not sure if you're aware but and then follow it up with whatever the behavior is so i'm not sure if you're aware but when you say <laughs> shut up to me it makes me feel like crying
0: yeah yeah i like that too
3: so that's that's a few tips to i think because i think challenging conversation is the the biggest thing yeah
0: that's yeah that's I know that they'll be really useful. So yes, thank you so much for sharing those because it's always good to have something practical, I think so. Yeah. Wow, big thank you for coming on today and sharing about your story and how you help people. I mean, hopefully everyone that's been listening to this is gonna um, take something from it. So I just wanted to say a big thank you to you.
3: My absolute pleasure, thank you for having me.
1: Yes, thank you, Judith, it's been great. I really enjoyed this one, thank you.
0: Yay.